Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of In the Ring with Acacia Courtney. I'm your host, Acacia Courtney. And yes, my voice sound, sounds a little tired. I am recording this intro on early Monday morning after Whitney weekend. I was in bed pretty early last night, but it's been a long week. It's been a lot of talking, uh, but it's been just a great, great weekend of racing. And I always feel so lucky to get a chance to be part of it as well as we have reached the halfway point of racing up here at Saratoga. Four weeks down, four weeks to go. Simultaneously feels like it's been going really slowly. Like, wow, we still have some really big races still to come, like Travers. Um, And at the same time, it feels like it's just been zooming past, like, wow, we've already had four weeks of racing here and and a lot of big action. So looking forward for all that is still to come. The Saratoga Select Yearling Sale, 100th anniversary for Fazek Tipton coming up this week. We also have the New York Red Sale up next week. But today we're going to have a chance to speak to some great owners that we have been seeing a lot of in the winter circle here at the spa this summer. So as always, hope you enjoy this week's edition of In the Ring. So happy to be joined by Vinny Viola, who's had a tremendous year, a tremendous start to the Saratoga meet. I feel like I always see him in the winner's circle after big stakes. Vinny, thank you so much for taking some time today. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to reaching out for reaching out. And it's a pleasure to speak to you, Acacia. Well, let's talk a little bit, Vinny, about your your summer at Saratoga. Started out with a bang with an impressive two-year-old and wit in the Sanford opening week. Um, gave you, I know, a little bit of a start once again with a, with a little bit of a slow break, but what a performance from that horse. Talk to me a little bit about bringing him along and the ride he's given you thus far. Well, you know, we recognized pretty early on when he was on the farm uh, that he had a real very mature demeanor beyond his years. He's a May foal. Mm-hmm. I want to, I want to point that out to uh, the listeners that, uh, you know, so with the May folds, we kind of always watch them extra closely thinking that they'll be given a little bit extra time, but this guy uh, just kind of came on like, just kind of like a dude, you know, he was mm-hmm. sort of very much about his business and he did it really easy. So fast forward, we bring him to, to Todd and it's him and another two-year-old that came up from the farm relatively early, uh, not this time, Philly out of Bell's time. And we named him up to the mark. And, the, and these two were the sort of uh, kind of like that, just a little bit of tick above the others kind of mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we noticed in his first five, eight uh, breeze with Todd, everything leads up to the first five-eighths breeze. That's when you really sort of separate the horses by their talent. And of course, the gallop out is much emphasized and much, as as you know, uh, much examined by Mm -hmm. Todd. And from day one, he just distinguished himself. So now, of course, we're already early on in the meet to... uh, get a chance to go for the Stanford and uh, just it's very, very special. Uh, we, we know he has a little bit of a time with his first step, but he'll learn that, you know, mm-hmm. he'll get that, that sensory kind of cue. But uh, what I read told us, and I know I'm kind of run on sentencing here on you, but just give <laughs> you a, give you a look at our experience of it. 
in the Sanford, it was just simply the horse taking himself on the route and Irad had just kind of jiggle him a little bit at the top of the stretch and was one of the better performances this year by a two-year-old Colt. And I know you've had some big wins, some exciting races, but how special is it to have a two-year-old at Saratoga and just look so promising at this stage of the game? It's like every ache and pain goes away. <laughs> you, don't, you, you don't have to go to the chiropractor anymore. You got, a, <laughs> you got a little bit of spring in your step when you, when you want to do you, you know, do your daily workouts. If you try to stay, yeah, it's like your whole life is set around <laughs> the expectations of the horse. There's the old saying, right? You're never going to get gravely ill. If you have a, a real fast two-year-old at the barn, they just mm -hmm. keep you going. These horses become truly become part of you. And the, the only negative thing about it, Acacia is this, you start to want the time to go faster and at my age this is that's not advised you know <laughs> but you just you can't wait for like the next breeze and the mm -hmm. next big race so hopefully the hopeful will be his next time to really show his stuff he breezed he breezed a half this morning galloped out really nicely with another very good horse and uh i was saying to todd i just literally got back to the house uh, from Todd, I, I, it seemed to me like he's doing it easier and easier and he's, and he is growing. So anyway, I just thought I'd share that with you. Yeah. So exciting. And I, I can't wait to see him again. I have a little bit of a horse crush on wit as uh, he's been yeah, really fun yeah. to follow, but I, but do too. Yeah. I, I can understand. I can understand why. And he's a horse yeah. that you own in partnership with Mike Rapoli. And I know you guys have really come along through horse racing together and had a lot of success together. Tell me a little bit about owning horses with Mike and, and what's that, what's that like? Well, I think the best way I could describe it is, I don't know if you were uh, able or I should say privileged to hear Mike's mm -hmm. introduction speech for Todd to yes. the Hall of Fame. Yes. Okay. So that tells you everything about Mike. He, his heart is bigger than his personality. Mm -hmm. His personality is larger than life. Mm -hmm. And he carries a, a brain with an IQ that's hyperkinetic and uh very detailed oriented and he's driven you know uh, apropos his horse overdriven mm -hmm. uh, so when you have a partner like that and you get along and you see the sport uh, strategically the same way or principally the same way where like the horse comes first be patient every pedigree is different uh we work really hard at understanding the personalities of our horses when you have a partner like that, it's seamless. So Mike likes to say, you know, uh, you know, Vinny, make, Vinny lets me make most all decisions, but uh, you know, if the, if Vinny makes a decision, right, we go with it. So that's really mm -hmm. kind of how it works. You know, Mike is really the best partner you could have because he's as passionate as we are about the horses and what's it like it's a lot of fun to be honest <laughs> with you he's got a great sense of humor he, he's 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 kind of hilarious and he's got a great attitude about the horses yeah. and if you don't if you didn't notice 
you probably do now if you didn't know him and Todd are like they're best friends besides mm -hmm. being owner and trainer and you would never see these two people with kind of different personalities so I feel blessed to be part of it and let's just say if the three of us are together uh I'm I'm saying the least listening learning and laughing the most I get I get I get the best of all worlds because I get to laugh at the jokes <laughs> and really actually really take a phenomenal ride with two champions so I'm very blessed great partnership well, we saw you all in the winner's circle together after the curl in as well with dynamic one really kind of a breakout performance from him there and, and Todd saying maybe on to the Travers after that and, and putting him in the mix. That's got to be an exciting ride to be on as well. Oh, gosh, almighty. I mean, we've been expecting that race from mm -hmm. Dynamic One. You know, listen, you know these horses in the, in, in the, in the community, in, in, in the, uh, the stable mm -hmm. here in New York. You know them. And everybody has acknowledged from the start that Dynamic One it should be a special horse. You saw you saw it in the wood. He kind of gets to the lead very nicely, is ready to extend the lead, and he just kind of idles. And Burbonic, we all know, on the last jump, gets him at the wire. That should have been his sort of foundation race. In my mind, he almost came out of the race a bit confused we we have to put a line through the, the derby the horse trains like a very special horse in the morning and i think the curling was the race where he might be telling us okay now i'm ready to be a very special horse all of that to say if it, 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 what irad said uh, in the curling he was always in the bridle really nice he mm -hmm. never had to urge him he was cruising in a mature way, kind of knowing where he was. And as soon as Irad directed him, he shot like a cannon. And to be totally candid, mm -hmm. I expect the same kind of performance from him in, in, in Travers. I think he belongs yeah. there. So we'll see what happens. So super excited. This is like one of those summers at Saratoga <laughs> where, yeah, you, you get it. It's like, it's too good to be true. You always, yeah. with these horses, you always wonder what they're going to uh, do to make life interesting, so to speak. Yes, but it seems like yes. things are really clicking, and I'm, I'm so happy for you um, because I know how enthusiastic you are about the game. Thank and, you. Thank and you. Talk to me a little bit about that feeling when, when you do see things kind of come together because anybody that's been involved in racing in any piece of the industry knows how tough it is just to get a horse to the racetrack, let alone to win yeah. the race. Well, the first thing is you have to acknowledge constantly that it has very little to do with you, that mm -hmm. you are blessed with good fortune, no matter how hard you work. So I always describe horse ownership as uh, being blessed to be in the position to have the privilege to apply your resources to create a situation where you do everything you can to eliminate as many risks as you can so you can enter a lottery. I mean, it's like the, hard, it's the hardest lottery in the world to enter. <laughs> you, have to, you, have to, you have to work at it, right? right. And it's, it, it's, it's really, that's how I describe it. 
because you do everything you can to make it appear as though it's a rational and intelligent exercise. And at the end of the day, what we learn the longer we're in the game is that we just don't know. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, with that attitude going forward, when you get a horse to the races, it doesn't matter what condition, what kind of race it is. You know what went into the, the, the team effort to get that horse. When that gate opens and that horse performs, there's a feeling that I wish for everyone. Because mm-hmm. if people, people could carry that feeling with them, there'd be a lot less problems in the world. Trust me. That's yeah. true. One of a kind yeah. feeling. One well, of a kind feeling. Both of the horses we talked about were, were purchased as yearlings. Tell me a little bit uh, about the process, buying horses, deciding which ones to partner up on and, and which ones that uh, you, you want to add and to carry your colors to the races. Fantastic question. Um, fantastic question. Mm-hmm. So the, the act of actually deciding which horse let's 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 sort of take it from the sale mm-hmm. the horse the horse entering the ring okay everything that happens before you decide whether or not you're going to be on a horse so mm-hmm. obviously we have a pretty extensive team between mike mike has a team that he sort of formed and let's say manages mm-hmm. i have a separate team that i formed over my experience and I manage, we act in a separate capacity at the sales. We look at every horse that fits our general standard. Here's the general standard. We want really, really fast dirt colts to win American classic races Mm -hmm. that's our single criteria now we may buy a horse with that criteria in mind turns out to be a turf horse it happens more than you would think Mm -hmm. despite pedigrees not indicating that so with that in mind we basically prioritize by stallion and we prioritize by pedigree so mike has a pedigree uh expert gentleman named ed rosen our pedigree experts, a gentleman named John Sparkman, who for many years was editor and features writer at the Thoroughbred Daily News. He published a book called The Foundation Mares. Mm-hmm. John's just a, a walking encyclopedia of American uh, horse racing history. So we, first of all, qualify the horses in the catalogs pre-sale by pedigree. We, we, we prioritize them by stallion. We like to start with the proven stallions mm-hmm. and then by uh, freshman sires that we think based on the intelligence that we gather before the sale are showing nice progeny in the fields. That's how we kind of got onto practical joke, which, yeah. which resulted in the purchase of wit. Then we have basically Mike, Mike has uh, three to four people looking at horses then we we narrow it down to the primary shortlist and then we have our top two uh lookers like in in uh, st elias stables the senior executive for bloodstock 
uh, management is Monique Dell. Monique trained with Jeremy Krupe for many, many years. And uh, Mike uses a couple different people, but Todd kind of oversees his, his short list. So we basically get our two top bloodstock persons at St. Elias to double blind inspect each other's short list. Mm-hmm. And then we come up with our short, short list. And now we begin the vetting process. And the vetting process is objective only to a point because you could have two vets look at the same condition on a horse and have two different prognoses sure. in terms of his racing career. You've been there, right? Been there, oh, yes. That. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's where your intuition, uh, your experience, you start to develop a little bit of a, a code. I call it, I'll call it an equine medical code of what mm-hmm. you as an owner and buyer find acceptable and what you're comfortable leaving a yearling sale, knowing your horse carries as far as condition. The one, the one a part of horse, equine anatomy we will not compromise is, is throat and breathing. Mm-hmm. I could tell mm-hmm. you that the horse has to scope uh, a, a, a really solid 1A, uh, very few exceptions to that. And then we get down to this, and there's meetings all throughout this process where we're kind of checking each other's work and more important, keeping each other motivated because it's a grueling exercise, as you know. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there's 4,000 plus horses and mm-hmm. you want to, yeah, and you don't want to lose, uh, f- you don't want to get fatigued. You don't want to get fatigued when you're getting into the third and fourth book at Keeneland because we find there's great value there. So everybody's keeping everybody pumped up. That comes through regular meetings, making it fun and keeping the process exciting because we're all dreaming about the next wit, right? So there you yeah. go. So, so um, usually... Uh, the night before the start of that particular book, we'll have a final call. And then the morning before the sales, we almost always try on our top five horses to make sure we get a look at that horse from afar uh, at his consigner. And as they come into the ring for any last minute changes in behavior and how we price the horses. Uh, usually has something to do with the average yielding price in that book for that sire in previous sales. And we kind of, it's an art, it's the art of trading. And that's where I think me and Mike have the most impact and fun together because we'll we'll be on the phone while the horse is in the sale. If we're not together, that gives you a a real good, I hope. Yes. Clear picture of how, St. Elias and Rapoli Stable uh, operates. Now, here's the one part of the question I did not answer. How do we come upon partners? Usually, Mike and, Mike and my uh, general opinion is this is a phenomenal business with phenomenal people. There, there are not many people, not many people, I can't think of anybody we wouldn't be privileged to be partners with. Mm-hmm. It, us- it usually happens that a representative of an owner will come up to us and say, Hey, uh, if you guys happen to be on this horse, we'd really like to be partners with you guys. Uh, how about it? And 
our rule is if it's before the horse goes in the ring and we establish the percentages, we're fine with it. Sure. It's a little tough. It's a little tougher after we buy the horse if mm-hmm. somebody comes up and says, because it's usually, you know, already sort of put into our, into our, in, in our minds, into our budget, into our stable. And we try to, uh, we try to buy uh, between 20 and 30 really nice yearlings every year, Mike and I do. Well, at this September sale. And such a massive sale that one is too. And like you said, there, there's so many value kind of hidden in there as well. Um, but a few years ago, the, the process seemed to really work out well for you and, and several partners down the road with a horse named Always Dreaming, who won the Florida Derby, onto the Kentucky Derby. Tell me a little bit what that journey was like with that horse who really just flourished as a three-year-old. So that horse was really about a friendship that goes back Mm -hmm. 58 years between me and Anthony Bonomo. Uh, Very, very long story short, uh, Anthony selects the horse at the sale, uh, gets it for 350, uh, uh, basically has the horse in his stable. Horse is training, he's kind of going sideways. He says to me, Vin, what do you think about coming in to this, to this horse? I said, Anthony, I'd love to be partners with him because he was training very well. And uh, I said, you know, I think we should probably look at, uh, this looks to me like a Todd horse. And so we moved the horse to Todd mm-hmm. uh, and the rest is really history. Mm-hmm. But the best thing about Always Dreaming was that uh, I was partners with Anthony Bonomo on it. And, and I, Again, I know Anthony since I was nine and he was seven, you wow. know, so it's like, you know, played little league baseball together. Wow. Uh, you know, uh, I went to West Point. He went to St. John's. He pitched on St. John's uh, pitch, pitching staff when they were nationally ranked. So when they'd come up to West Point, I made a point to, cause you know, you hardly left West Point when you're a cadet. He made a point to, cause the visiting teams would always eat in the mess hall with the cadets. So, I look forward to him coming up when St. John's was playing because I get to see a buddy from the neighborhood. And we always kept in touch after we got married. And lo and behold, we both always loved uh, horse racing. And it was mm-hmm. a magical, magical ride. I mean, his performance in the uh, Florida Derby to see Anthony's excitement. And, <laughs> and it was just it was just very special. That, that's the thing about these horses they become part of your family yeah. and anybody that doesn't, every owner will tell you that, right? You, you, you know, you put your head on the pillow at night. It sounds funny. You always think about your, your media family and then your mind drifts into dreaming about your horses. Winning a big race. <laughs> so the last, last thought on your mind and your horses are like your family members. And, and it is quite emotional. Always mm-hmm. dreaming. Yeah, you know, you kind of you think about your children, make sure they're all right, your grandchildren, and that's the pleasure because you're really right. You're concerned about your family, but mm-hmm. then you get super relaxed. And when you think about the horses in your stable, first you think about how beautiful they are, how mm-hmm. hard they work, and then you dream about them winning big races. But but what I was going to say about um, uh, always dreaming, he really became part of the Bonomo and Viola family, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, occasionally, I don't know if you remember, we brought him to Kentucky. Just he came off flight 
a a different horse. He was just so geared up to run. Mm -hmm. We had to really adjust our program with him. And uh, I, I think I think he ran the race of his life in in the Derby. But I'll tell you what, he was a uh, special special horse. And I, that feeling that feeling I can't even pretend yeah. to recreate when he crossed the line. It was just uh, special. We, we mean, did put it this way. We did not act like we had been there before. <laughs> we, 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 we would, we would jump in and screaming up and down in those sweet people must've thought we were, uh, I, I don't know what they thought, but put it this way. We were overexcited at that point. Well, I, I cannot imagine what the feeling like is of winning the Kentucky Derby. Um, but I mentioned he won the Florida Derby prior to that. And uh, you won the Florida Derby this year with Known Agenda, who was a horse that you bred as well. And I wanted to ask you about that and, and getting involved in the breeding side of things. Yeah, I mean, the the thing about the sport for me is it's a full-time obsession. So mm -hmm. my, my wife will tell you that I spend way too much time in the pedigree books and history books about horses. So the breeding is a, uh, is really for me a passion mm -hmm. and, and to, and just, again, every store, every horse has a story. So being as completely simply candid as I can, as you know, we entered uh, known agenda, who was a pearl and colt out of a, very very special mare that mm -hmm. john sparkman selected for us a grade winning mare called by rama who ran mostly on synthetic and turf and she was by a sire named byron who was a very uh, speedster horse but not a phenomenal sire anyway this pearl and colt always was special in the field always had his own mind and was quick as hell so long story short we bring him to saratoga there are three Curlins in the corridor of consigner stables. Uh, Jerry Dilger, the, the late Jerry Dilger consigned them for me. And the other two Curlins were magnificently behaved, came out, presented themselves every time as though they were curling himself. My Curlin comes out of it. He's always on his hind legs. And by the way, he liked to be on his hind legs his whole life for some reason. He, he was playful more than anything. Yeah. And Jerry said, I can't get anybody to take this horse serious. So we kept lowering the reserve on the horse. Finally, we lowered the reserve as low as we can. And nobody would take him serious because he wouldn't, he wouldn't show professionally. And the mm -hmm. other two Carlins went for a lot of money. Long story short, after the sale, I speak to a couple people. They think about uh, uh, buying them for the reserve and they decide uh you know Vinny, uh i'm gonna wait so what i do after trying to sell the horse to four different people i talked to i this is a funny story i talked to eddie woods i said eddie i'll tell you what let's 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 pin hook him i'm going to send him to you we'll pin hook him but because covid canceled the, mm -hmm. the two-year-old sales we got to send him to todd because he was conditioned and as they say the rest is history mm -hmm. And I, I, and I will tell you, this horse was a gentleman's horse as a racehorse. Never missed a day. Fantastic attitude. Complete. So he just didn't want to be a show horse or 
he didn't want to leave the Viola family. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I you know, I, Mike probably doesn't remember this, but on, a, on one of our many phone calls, I offered him to take half the horse, but the horse was already, I think, about to get in training. He says, no, nah, no, nah, that's your horse. You bred him. And here we go. And in his maiden race or second race, he goes head to head with greatest of greatest honor, mm-hmm. who's a great horse. And 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 he shows us that he doesn't like to get beat, wins by a nose. And of course, we go to an allowance race next, and then to the Florida Derby. Unfortunately, we drew the one post and he was not prepared for what happened after the gate opened in the Derby. And I thought he ran a real nice Belmont. Mm-hmm. And if we, if we didn't try to win the race, uh, you know, we had to move a little bit early to, to close the gap there. We, we probably cost ourselves third in that race. Point I'm making is uh, he's, he's being pointed. He's got a couple of nicks and knacks right now being <laughs> pointed to the um, Pegasus. So we'll see. There have been a couple of stud farms that have taken a real strong interest in them. The question is, do we retire them? Or do we try to come back full force in the uh, Pegasus? But very, very special. Another horse that's a, a true blessing. I mean, a real blessing. Then you come here to Saratoga and you got wit. And I don't want to not stop talking. I'm sorry. I, I want you get me talking about my horses. But I'm enjoying I, it. <laughs> uh, I, I appreciate the opportunity. But we can't forget about Dr. Post. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I mean, he, and Joel, Joel Rosario just did a fantastic job moving him up a, a bit in the Monmouth Cup. And I thought he raced against some pretty good horses there. So now it's either we take a shot at, with him in either the Jockey Gold Cup or the Pacific Classic. So oh, we'll see. Cool. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's twice a great three winner. Mm-hmm. He did a fat, really nice job in the Westchester Mile. He did not he did not fire, did not take interest in in the uh, Met Mile, and then we put blinkers on him, and he's he's moved forward again. So I think he's at the point in his career where he's going to tell us if he wants to be a a champion or not, mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully he will. Well, some exciting stuff coming up. It's been fun following him and his improvement. And uh, Vinny, I can't say thank you enough. It was so great to get to hear a little bit about your process and wishing you all the best with the rest of Saratoga and all those big races coming up. It was my pleasure, Acacia. And and, uh, thank you so much. Thanks for your passion for the sport. Thank you for the great job you do uh, as an ambassador and, and, and journalist. Because, you know, when... You and I know the sport as mm-hmm. the greatest sport in the world. And it, you only have to get a person around the horses and to the track one so time. True. Right. And yep. there you, you have a, you have a, a devotee. I mean, yeah, how could you describe yesterday's energy and, and the amount of fun that was had at the track? So thank you. Thank you for giving me the chance to express my passion for the sport. Thank you. So happy to be joined now by Dean Reeves, somebody that I've gotten to know well over the last couple of years and uh, just such a great enthusiast of the game and and so fun uh, to be in the winner's circle with as well. And Dean, thanks for joining me. We've been seeing you in the winner's circle quite frequently here at Saratoga this meet. 
Well, that, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on the show, Acacia. And it's nothing better than being in the winter circle at Saratoga. Well, tell me a little bit about it, as I remember talking to you a couple of years ago, and you had told me that you'd never had a two-year-old win at Saratoga before, and you've had a couple since then, and an exciting one this summer as well. That two-year-old at Saratoga first time out has to be the best feeling. It is. I And, you know, I reflect back even on the uh, Sin Bay's win um, you know, what, two, three weeks ago and how exciting it was and how exciting it happened to be that my son and granddaughter mm -hmm. were here and my granddaughter's nine years old and she got to walk the horse in with me. And, you know, those are just special memories. And it's just, it was just a great day. When you are looking to buy two-year-olds or maybe there are perhaps homebreds for you or whatever the situation may be, for you as an owner, what are some of the things that you like to see in those young horses uh, at whatever stage you buy them before you bring them into the program with, with your trainers and, and to wear your silks on track? Well, you know, there's several things that we look for and we want to see some muscle uh, on the the yearlings that we feel like that, uh, you, you know, down the road, they're going to develop in and that they've got the frame and the muscular development that's, uh, that's going to come. Cause we're looking at basically maybe teenagers at this point. Mm -hmm. And, and you hope that, that, uh, you know, everything you buy uh, in the fall coming up all these sales, you're, you're a year away from finding out whether you made a mistake or not mm -hmm. and, and how things turn out. So we're trying to look at those indicators um, with regard to, uh, I, I don't know, some, some development in the shoulders and the hips that you think have got enough muscle right now to, to be able to carry some speed. And I know you've been really a student of the breeding industry and looking at these young horses, what are some of the most important things that you've learned along the way as far as gauging what that ability may be? Well, that's a, that's a good question. I, um, I think what's helped me the most is going at it with a team approach. Mm -hmm. And um, for the last several years, four or five years, Jimmy and Martha Gladwell, uh, have been helping me. They get to just about all the sales. Mm -hmm. um, and Jimmy has a, and Martha too, have a good eye for uh, what they can see in the development of horses. And so I, I also like to see the trainer's input on the horses uh, because, you know, they, if they buy in on a horse, that's a horse they'll probably get the following um, six or eight months later. And so as a, as a team approach, we can go to these horses uh, as we look at them in the sale. And I've gotten to where everybody is comfortable with saying what they do and don't like about uh, the horses that we look at. So when I go back and look at pedigree, we, we do like to see um, some wins in the mayor side. Mm -hmm. um, they don't necessarily have to be stakes winners but you do like to see that the mayor can throw a winner uh, and that there's some talent, you know, within the uh, female family. And then with regard to the, the stallion side of it, you know, I think there's so many good stallions out there, but 
you know, you do get up into the proven products of the into mischiefs and Uncle Moe's and so mm -hmm. forth that you know what you're going to get on that side. So if you go to a, a, a first year stallion, then then you're taking a bit of a risk because uh, you don't know how some of their uh, offspring are going to turn out. And so we also go to the weanling sales and that gives you an early look at some of the the foals that are going to end up coming around the corner and being yearlings. And then we start to look for muscle development, uh, length of walk, how good their stride is and how we feel like they'll be able to reach out. So those are just some of the things that as a team, we go around and everybody comes back and has their input on the horses. And we hopefully uh, all decide on the same one. You talked about looking at stallions and you've been able to get some progeny that's by Mucho Macho Man, who of course was such an exciting racehorse for you. How cool is that to be able to have progeny of a horse that you campaigned and, and had such so much success with? You know, that that's a really special feeling. You know, last year, well, I guess it's now been two years. I keep forgetting about 2020, <laughs> but we anyway, <laughs> yeah. The, you know, City Man uh, mm -hmm. has probably been the, the, at least the best Mucho Macho Man offspring that I've had. There's been several other really, really nice ones. But for him to come up to Saratoga and win a maiden race at Saratoga by Mucho Macho Man, you just can't beat that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, uh, yeah. it's great. And we, uh, we probably have eight Mucho Macho Mans. Uh, that are that are two-year-olds this year. We've we've uh, gone in and bought a lot because, quite frankly, they're they're at a price-wise. You can you, you don't you're not paying a lot for them right now, mm -hmm. and so uh, we think it's a great bargain. And so we are loading up. Take me back to that mucho macho man journey, as I know that that was the the ride of a lifetime for you. And I think what really kind of cemented the love for horse racing. Well, there's no question about it. We were talking about this the other night that I, um, I think he was the fourth horse I ever bought. Wow. And, you know, when you come into something, um, you know, and, and then what, three, four years later, you win the Breeders' Cup Classic. I mean, mm -hmm. that's crazy. Mm -hmm. I mean, before we knew it, we were um, on the road to the Kentucky Derby. And, and uh, you know, I remember uh, telling our, our, uh, family that, you know, Hey, you know what, we may have a horse in the Kentucky Derby, go buy your tickets. And this was like six months before. And I had no idea how you got a horse in the Derby. <laughs> so, you know, I called up to Churchill and introduced myself to them and I was thrilled that they knew who my horse was. So it was a lot of, um, we were pretty naive, but you know, everybody, the, the people that had been in the business a long time, were just great to us and it, it what a ride to run in all three of the uh, big three-year-old races running the classic twice i mean it was just um, just amazing ride when you have a horse like that of course the always the goal right is to is to find the next one to experience that again what are some races that you would dream of winning as an owner well you know uh, everybody you know, thinks about the Kentucky Derby mm -hmm. and certainly that's, that's high on the list, but 
you know, I think here at Saratoga to, to win the Travers mm -hmm. uh, or come back and maybe win the Whitney, uh, those are those are great uh, races. Uh, I think the Met Mile is a great race uh, to win mm -hmm. uh, for certain horses. So, um, you know, probably uh, we won the Jim Dandy with tax. Mm -hmm. So so we checked that box. <laughs> so that that was great. And then uh, but, you know, I'd love to win the Travers. And then I, I think some, um, <clears throat> you know, two year, some of the bigger two-year-old races always get you uh, excited because if you can, you can win some of those, the Champagne or uh, some of those type races, the Hopeful or any of those, it just gets you pretty excited about coming into the three-year-old season. We've seen you being involved with New York Breads as well in um, New York Stallion Series for the Phillies just this past week as Sport Models. Been on such a great run. What a cool little filly she is uh, by Freud. And tell me about those New York Bread and New York Stallion races and, and how, how great it is to be involved in that and what they really offer to owner, owners and breeders. Yeah, it is a great program, This mm -hmm. the, the New York Bread program. <clears throat> the... Um, you know, the purse money is great. And we started getting into the, into the, this program about three years ago, because I said, you know, it makes total sense. Mm -hmm. We're going to spend time up here in Saratoga. Let's have some New York breads. Um, so we started buying New York breads. We got really fortunate, uh, Jimmy Gladwell and, uh, Miguel Clement, you know, him, um, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> uh, they, they, uh, both called me about Sinbay. Mm -hmm. And don't you love that name, Sinbay? I do. Uh, <laughs> so, and, and so that was a New York bread. And, yeah. and so it makes a difference for us. Um, if we had two horses, you know, that we thought were equal and one was a New York bread, I'd prefer to buy the New York sure. bread. So um, we've, we've started to have some success. Um, you know, City Man has won several of the stake races and some of uh, the New York bred races. Uh, Sin Bay will be uh, running in the funny side stake, uh, New York stake. And Sport Model has just been a great surprise. Yeah. It's gotten better and better and uh, got a great ride with uh, Irad last week and picked up another uh, New York stake win. I know you weren't on track at Saratoga that day. So where were you watching the race? And, and you know, what's that feeling like when you have a horse in a stake race at Saratoga and she has just that exciting closing kick like she did? You know, I had, um, we had to get back for just some mm -hmm. medical visits and so forth, but I was back at the office and uh, had the TV on watching it. And so, I guess everybody thought something was going on in the office because I was just <laughs> when, especially when she started sort of that second kick mm -hmm. to, to get up. And I'm like, you know, hurry, hurry, hurry. You're screaming for him to get there. And it was so exciting uh, to win that. And yeah, I thought I'd won the lottery. I mean, you know, <laughs> it was just unbelievable. And a couple of people came by the office to make sure I was okay. <laughs> I love it. There's just no feeling uh, like a win for sure. And uh, celebrations well-deserved. Uh, but Dean, I wanted to ask you too, as I know you're still very active at the sales, buying horses, but you've also gotten involved into the breeding side of things with the Gladwells as well. Um, tell me a little bit about that endeavor. 
Well, yeah, I started, you know, when Mucho Macho Man started his stallion career, I felt like I you know, wanted to support him. Mm-hmm. So we, we bought some mares and we have bred to him and we bred some of our runners off the track. Uh, we bred to him. And, uh, you know, some of those I, I have kept, some I've sold to just get uh, the progeny back into the market. And it seems like every one of them that I sold went did really well. <laughs> so, so um, you know, but that's good. You, you've got to help support the stallion. And so with that, um, we've bred back to Mucho Macho Man. And then alternate years with some of them, we've, mm-hmm. we have bred to uh, McLean's Music, uh, which is a stallion I like. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sort of picked a few that way. And, of course, Jimmy... Um, can keep some mares at his farm and you know it's uh it's just a sort of a side uh deal to do to breed to them it's a lot of fun uh people have told me how, how much fun it is to to rate breed and raise uh you know the progeny and then have them win it, that is pretty special so we're we're hopeful that you know we can get some good horses through breeding and tell me a little bit about some of the challenges through breeding as well. I think that um, sometimes that may get overshadowed a bit because people watching racing see the excitement on track, but obviously there's so much that goes into it, raising a horse, choosing the mating, figuring all of that out, and just getting a horse to the racetrack. Yeah, and I, listen, I'm not the sharpest pencil in the box when it comes to <laughs> mating. Um, and... You know, I I try my best to to understand it, and I ask a lot of people uh, what they think. But at the end of the day, um, I don't know. It's such a weird deal. It's mm-hmm. and I, I I was going to mention that you know Dr. Shivel, well, Bill Branch bred him, and and uh, you know the first six go rounds he didn't get a whole lot, and somehow uh, this one came out with violence. And, and then after, after he was born, he gave the mayor away. Well, now I'd love to have the mayor back. Wow. So you never know. And then the tough part too is, you know, we've had foals injure themselves out in the field and, you know, uh, we lose the foal or something happens to them. It's not an easy process. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course, sometimes, um, you know, you get the foal and six months later, they say, well, they're a little crooked in the knee or the, this, that, and the other. And, and so it, it's not easy. So I, I give a lot of credit uh, to the major breeders on the job they do to produce, a, a, you know, a top runner. And such a difficult business, but I'm sure so incredibly rewarding when it all works out too. And for you as an owner, you've had a lot of great partnerships as well. Uh, tell me a little bit about that and some of the people that you've been able to pair up with on a horse along the way. Yeah, partnerships are, are a lot of fun, really. Mm-hmm. They, uh, I've, I've met some of the greatest people that, um, you know, normally I, I never would have probably partnered up with or got mm-hmm. to meet. And so, uh, of course, Randy Hill and I have a lot of horses together. We've had a lot of fun. We've traveled over to England. We've been to Ascot together. And, you know, it's just been great things to do to have a runner at Ascot. We finished third. We were kind enough to let the Queen's horse beat us. Uh, <laughs> we, we didn't think it would be nice. You know, it's not the gentlemanly thing to do to go over there and true, beat the Queen's true, horse. True gentleman, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you know. 
so uh and then bill branch out in california uh, uh we've had some nice horses together uh stephen rocco's come in and uh partnered and then peter and patty cyril's we, we partnered with them uh so you know we've we've had uh a lot of great partners and that are that are out there and uh, some from atlanta west paces uh you know thoroughbred syndicate they kind of put together we'd partner with them and uh, a lot of people from the atlanta area really coming up and, and getting involved in horse racing so it's it's been a lot of fun it helps you manage your dollars and spread the dollars out mm -hmm. uh, to get a few more horses and um but you got to be you know you got to be careful because it's a tough business it isn't all um you know champagne and roses mm -hmm. i mean sometimes it's uh it's pretty tough and the people you partner with, they, they got to be able to take the bad news. Yeah, you and Randy, as you mentioned, had a lot of success together. And uh, I, I always love seeing the two of you in the paddock before a race, just, just so much enthusiasm. And I think that that's such a big part of it too, right? That it should be a fun and enjoyable journey. And, and it seems like you are really making the best of it. How important is that to enjoy the process along the way? It's that's the whole deal, you know, and, and Randy, he's over the top with it. I mean, he just <laughs> wants to win. I mean, he gets in there and he doesn't want anything but a win. And, uh, you know, and it's so hard to get those wins and get there. So we do go a tad overboard sometimes with our <laughs> wins, but we like to really enjoy it. And we we always add dinner and drinks afterwards. So it's it's a lot of fun. And, you know, we we're sitting there. Uh, for the build up to the race and we get excited about certain horses and um, you know, so there's just nothing better when we won the Jim Dandy with tax. Mm -hmm. That was just um, uh, one of those things we didn't think we, we were going to win. And then when you see that horse with a three length lead close to the finish, you just let loose with a lot of emotion. And it's uh, this, it's a, you know, makes grown men, two year olds real quick. <laughs> you got to pair up together on a, on a horse that became a champion in channel maker who uh, was just as consistent as they come last year in 2020 and, and took away the eclipse award as well tell me a little bit about that horse and just the campaign that he put together as he he's been so steady on the racetrack yeah that that was so much fun i mean channel maker uh, we were able to buy in the partnership with two great guys and gary barber and Adam Wachtel. I mean, th those are uh, just super people to be involved with. And, you know, ch you know, we felt like Channel Maker would get better and better as he got older, and he has, and he was, he, he sort of got on a roll last year. Uh, Manny Franco did a great job riding him, and next thing we knew, we had won the Sword Dancer. We were at a win and you're in for the Breeders' Cup, and I got to tell you, I thought he was going to win the Breeders' Cup, mm -hmm. turn him for home. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God, we thought we were going to win that thing, and we just got nipped by some really nice horses. But that's a horse there again that, that uh, took us all the way to uh, Dubai. Uh, Randy and Marina and Patty and I got that trip together, and we had a great time. We, you know, eating out, visiting different places and seeing Dubai. And it's wonderful to tie these things in with horse racing because uh, you meet all of those people at these different venues and so channel maker to win he's won three grade ones for us 
an Eclipse Award, and it just doesn't get any better than that. Mm -hmm. He's been such a consistent horse, and Billy Mott's just done a super job with him uh, to keep keep him, you know, uh, at the top of his game, uh, race after race. He's been a fun horse to follow with that that high head carriage of his, and he's uh, very dangerous when he gets on the front end like he does. But, uh, Dean, some yearling sales coming up soon. We're, we're kind of in that time of year. Uh, restocking the stable, what are, what are some of the things you're looking forward to as far as uh, the yearling sales season kicking off? Yeah, we, um, we're looking forward to our draft picks. You know, that's the mm -hmm. way I look at it. I'm, I'm, I'm drafting for my the team for next year and we're uh you know excited to be at the sale tonight that's always the fastest dipton sale mm -hmm. that's a that's a uh, interesting party and and sales ring for sure but we'll we're looking a lot of horses uh at this sale we'll we'll probably uh hopefully get some good horses in the new york bread sale mm -hmm. that's next week and then of course we'll spend a couple of weeks in kentucky um, at the Fasig sale and also the, the, uh, Keeneland sale. And that's a lot of work. I mean, you put the miles in, you have to do the work. You look at a lot of horses, but it's a lot of great opportunities there. And that's why it helps to have a team effort when we yeah. can spread a number of horses that, that we try to take a look at and, you know, reconvene. And like I said, a year from now, we'll find out whether we did, we did any good. <laughs> Well, I wish you all the best with the sales coming up. And uh, Dean, it was so fun having you on uh, the podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time. And here's to many more winners at Saratoga this summer. Uh, well, as I said, I know if you're interviewing me, I've done something good. <laughs> I love it. So I, I look forward to seeing you again at the tracks, but more importantly, in the winter circle. Absolutely. Amen to that. <laughs> And that'll do it for another episode of In the Ring with Acacia Courtney. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I hope that you are going to be following along with the yearling sales coming up as Basic Tipton is celebrating the 100th anniversary of the Saratoga sale. It's going to be so exciting. You can tune in on the website too. You can follow along. Um, there is a live stream. Check out social media. I'll be there at the sale interviewing buyers and consigners. There'll be a lot of action on the Basic Tipton social media channel. So make sure you check all of that out. It is uh, the world's most prestigious auction of select yearlings in a single catalog. You have the best pedigrees, the best physicals. It's the sale of a century and has produced breed shapers, champions, classic winners, and international stars. Some recent grade one graduates like the likes of Known Agenda, who we talked about today with owner Vinny Viola, and Valiant Flagstaff. It's August 9th and 10th in Saratoga and cannot wait for all of that exciting racing action. Make sure you check it out and uh, please share today's episode if you enjoyed it. Big thank you to Dean Reeves and Vinny Viola. I'm looking forward to seeing both of those gentlemen in the winner's circle uh, many more times this summer. And as always, if you have any suggestions for this show, things you're interested in, please send me a message. Let me know. Stay tuned. Later on this week, we're going to have a full recap with some sound from the Saratoga Select Sale and uh, looking forward to all of that and seeing how these yearlings say, sell. Uh, but for next time, I will see you on In the Ring with Acacia Courtney. Thanks so much for tuning in.